with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Cole, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England own event. Helsinki. And with me all the way across that stormy Atlantic Ocean is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parson. Stormy? It's flat call. Yeah, I know. I lied. Oh, all right. Should <laughs> so be, anyway. It should be from that sun-baked, scorched island of Britain. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, we, you know, I love lighthouses, right? I know you love lighthouses. Yeah. You've got one of your own, haven't you? Well, I don't, I don't own it personally. I mean, I, I'm involved in it, yes. But, uh, you know, I, I've also investigated quite a few, too. And I've met a lot of nice people along the way. And uh, one of these people I did meet is uh, a former lighthouse keeper. And he is Russell Lowe. Russell, are you with us? I am. Thanks for coming aboard. Not a problem. Yeah, good evening. Good evening. Uh, is your wife still with us? Um, she's here with us, but she's not on the other line. Okay, that's fine. I'm listening in a little. Okay, that's fine. That's good. And also joining us is uh, Russell's wife, Teresa. So the first thing I got to know, and most people want to know, is how long you've been married? Hmm. <laughs> 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 Forty-five years. Thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that, huh? You survived all that. <laughs> oh yes. So Russell, you were in a uh, in in uh, a lighthouse keeper, right? And you were on an island on a lighthouse. No, yeah, we both were. Hmm. I was uh, in the Coast Guard and got the chance to be stationed at. Uh, Wood Island Lighthouse in Biddeford Pool, Maine. And when was that? That was uh, 79 to 82. Okay, so for three, I went out in uh, January of 79 and came in in 82. Hmm. January? That's a tough time to go out. Yeah. <laughs> Wintertime winter on an island is, uh, it can be challenging. And beautiful. At the same time. Especially in Maine, right? Well, anywhere, really. <laughs> That's true, too. That's true. Uh, joining us, by the way, I'm not, not sure if you know, is uh, Steve Parsons. He is uh, from the UK, Wales, and uh, he has a lighthouse not too far from him as well. And uh, <coughs> One. We have several. So there you go. <laughs> and uh, what I was going to say is you were, I want to know a little bit about, first of all, how do you become a lighthouse keeper? Is that something you volunteer for, or, or is it, you know, you get selected? Uh, we were basically, I was just basically at the right place at the right time, and they were looking to move me out of uh, 
the seventh district, which is down in New Orleans, and oh. they, uh, I wanted to come back to New England. And they says, okay. And the first question they asked was, "Are you married?" "Yep." "Do you have any kids?" "Nope." "Okay, <laughs> you're going to Wood Island Lighthouse," <laughs> and that was it. The question was happily married. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> which, which I, which I imagine would be kind of important if you're going to be on an island with someone, uh, and sometimes in not the best conditions, uh, weatherwise. No, you don't get too far apart, and you know, on an island in the winter. No, well, furthest we could get apart was a half a mile. <laughs> <laughs> so when you Distance from the boathouse to the house. Yep. I, I've, I've walked that distance myself. <laughs> yeah, a few times. Yeah. Uh, and so, did you have training or anything? I mean, how, do, how does one become a lighthouse? That, that's what I'm really intrigued about. How do you become a lighthouse keeper? I know you got sent there and you, and you uh, how do, do you have to like learn? St- I mean, do you take a course? Or, I mean, how do you become a lighthouse keeper? Well, um, the rating I was at was a machinery technician, which meant basically I could fix anything that was broken. It's okay. got nuts and bolts. I can put it together. Oh, that's so, handy. You know, spattering of electrician and mechanical and all of that. And that was good enough to stick you on an island. And once you get there, you you spend a couple of, couple of weeks with the uh, outgoing keeper. Oh, you do. They, okay, that would make they sense. They tell you, you know, what you got to do for the for the island. Mm-hmm. You know, send the weather and getting the mail and filing everything that that comes in through the mail. Mm-hmm. Groundskeeper, painter. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, how do you get mail on the island? Is do you have to go to a shore each day, or, or you, same with the groceries? How is that something that you stock up on, or or what's the the routine on that? Well, the uh, our routine that we found worked the best was uh, during the summertime, and you had good landings. We'd go in and we'd get uh, two months worth of groceries every two weeks. Oh, and that okay. Would, that would that would stock us up over the winter time, and if we had bad weather or no landings, and you know we weren't weren't in dire need of having to you know run off to the corner store. Mm-hmm. And the mail was uh, a post office box, and which was luckily not too far from the dock. So all I had to do was pull in with the boat, tie it up, walk up, grab the mail, and go back out to the island. And and what type of uh, a boat did you use at the, at the? I know the boathouse is is a half a mile. It's on the other side of the island from the lighthouse. Yeah. Oh, it was a fifteen foot pea pod. Or a double-ended dory. Mm-hmm. No, no power then. Oh yeah, it was powered up with a with a little outboard on the back of it. Most of the oh, time, cool. they gave me a a nine point nine, which was barely enough to move it, but it got us back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, if you have, have any questions, you know you can jump in. So. Oh, I'm. I'm... I'm I'm listening to Russell and and trying yeah. to rack my brains if we have any comparable lighthouses in the UK because our lighthouse system is different. 
um, in that it is uh, its own service uh, operated uh, by Trinity House, uh, has been for 300 years and has its own dedicated, um, well, it used to have keepers. Now all of our lighthouses are automated, but they still have um, regular maintenance crews who go out to the lighthouse and they, they live aboard um whilst carrying out the maintenance i'm talking about the offshore lighthouses but i i can't think of a comparable lighthouse on an island where it was um solely for the purpose of a lighthouse because most of our lighthouses are either onshore or built on sea rocks so you know barely much bigger than the base of the lighthouse itself and the lighthouse keepers would rotate um, I think it was normally 14 to 21 days and then they would bring in the next crew, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah, um, and they, they, they were supplied by initially by, by sea and then latterly uh, before automation by air using helipads. Yeah. No, so sense. very, very different than the American system um, oh, in that, well, here in Britain, um, as say Trinity House uh, is an organisation entirely devoted to um, the maintenance and upkeep of the lighthouses. Is that government funded or is it private? No, it's a, it's a it's a well it, it's not a branch of it's actually a branch of the civil service. Oh. Um, many of the lighthouse keepers are ex-mariners. Um, or as they were, uh, lighthouse keepers, as I said, now it's all fully automated. Uh, but there are still what are called lighthouse keepers, and they, they have a remote uh, operation centre. I think it's in Southampton, where they have remote telemetry from all the lighthouses around the UK. The state of the oil, uh, you know, how much oil is in the diesel generators, um, how much, you know, whether the bulbs are working in the um, the light itself, whether the backup bulbs are being used. And there's also, they also control the um, the maintenance crews who, who regularly go out to um, maintain and repair any faults that may have developed. Russell, all yeah, I was, I, I'm sorry, Teresa, go ahead. Yeah, I, I have read a book, I don't know if he's familiar with the, uh, Lighthouse, written by Tony Parker, is a composition of portrait of everyday lives of British lighthouse keepers and their families. Oh, right. I have I haven't read it, but I've I've um, seen um, a series of uh, essentially home movies that were shot um, during the seventies, eighties, and nineties on British lighthouses by a lighthouse keeper as he has he rotated around different uh, lights uh, which which showed not only historical footage but also the day-to-day -day, um, you know life aboard uh, the lighthouse right this was very interesting and it um, you know re when you were talking about Trinity this is what reminded me of this book uh-huh Oh yeah, I'll have to take that, check that out myself. All all our, uh, our lighthouses are uh, run by the Coast Guard. Is is that correct, uh, Russell? Or, or yes, hmm. yes. All of us were uh, 
Well, they went from lighthouse service to uh, into the Coast Guard, which was part of well was the revenue service, and then they mm-hmm. combined uh, life saving and lighthouse service and put them all together into the Coast Guard. And that's that's how we all get together with that. And 1939 was when the change was from the lighthouse service. Over to the Coast Guard. Now, your time there uh, on the island, and you you certainly were there a long period of time, and and I'm sure you have, uh, you know, some incidents where you were called upon to do something other than just writing, you know, lighting the light or whatever. I mean, were there incidents where you had to help out uh, the stress boaters or anything like that, or, or if you did, or, or how was that handled if it wasn't? Um, we didn't have the capabilities to really help anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, shut off the the motor that actually rotated the lens and used the light itself to guide a mariner in that was uh, having problems and didn't have any electrical and the Coast Guard didn't want to guide him in because they didn't know the channel, and so I just shut the shut the motor off and left the light on and just left a big beam of light all the way into the into the port for him. So he was delighted about that. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Now, is what what type of Fresno lens is on the the light? Um, it was a first order when it was, uh, or a fourth order. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it was first built, um, but when I was there, it was twin arrow beacons. Oh, okay, so a little different. Yeah. And how was it generated? How was the the lighthouse generated? Actually, how was all the power to the lighthouse generated? Um, well, that came in from uh, a line off onshore, and we had actually had shore power and. Uh, transformer on the island at the boathouse and at the main house and that ran ran everything there and generator backup we had generator backup oh you did have generator backup yeah oh yeah which was just enough to run the the main light at night (laughs) no no heat (laughs) Uh, don't don't flush the toilet (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would bump the refrigerator offline yeah really oh yeah it would didn't, we didn't have quite enough juice in the generator to to run everything in the house, so it was. You know, I had to be kind of selective when you were on generator power, but luckily we never had to run it too long, other than weekly tests and, and occasionally the occasional uh, storm knocking it out on 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 land. What was the the worst storm that you faced up there in your in your duration? <laughs> The worst one was a uh, late October storm that came in on Halloween, and they've been calling for storm warnings all all summer long, and we never really got any storms, so when they called for this one, it was like, yep, okay, and then when it came in, it was 110 mile an hour sustained winds with 115 to 130 mile an hour gusts, and we didn't put the uh, storm windows down. We just had the screens in. Right. And we found out that the triple tracks around the window, when you opened up the door going into the different bedrooms, they'd 
they'd hum like a harmonica. <laughs> so, the, uh, I mean, I imagine, you know, being in, in that type of storm, you, you feel more isolated than any other time on the island uh, you would. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you, you're out there, you've no phone. Uh, communication is radio only. And because we were young and foolish at our time and we didn't we weren't smart enough to be scared yeah we weren't smart enough to be scared <laughs> or, or wor- to be worried about it you know it was like okay you know hey this is fun <laughs> hey watch look the waves are breaking on the lawn <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a beautiful spot quite frankly it, it oh. sits right at the uh the mouth of the uh what is that is that a Chaco river yeah, so it's, would you say, so it's the river, it's not like a bay, right? Yeah. yeah okay, so it's yeah. not the river. And, uh, the harbor and all of that. The harbor, yeah. yeah. Well spoken like a New Englander. There you go. But, uh, you know, there's a, a, a long history of uh, a bit of a pool where the, the lighthouse is located. And there is, so many stories about the island itself and everything else and uh you're you're familiar with the most famous one right i assume oh yes the uh, murder suicide the murder suicide you want to tell us about that i'll let you tell it terry oh i i don't know it's um okay well there was a Millican, the good guy in hobbs the... hobbs is hobbs was a uh, recluse didn't have much money, and he was renting actually a a little shanty off of Milliken, who was living on the island, and he was late with his rent, because Hobbs got thrown out of Old Orchard Beach and out of Saco, so he made it back out to the island, and his roommate told him that the landlord was looking for him, and he wanted some money, and Hobbs grabbed his shotgun and went talking to, to Milliken, and before he left, he, his roommate asked him, you know, what are you going to take the gun for? And he says, well, in case I see some ducks on the way. <laughs> so he goes up to Milliken, and I guess they had a scuffle, and somehow the gun went off and shot Milliken in the stomach. And plus, stomach wounds back then take, you know, quite a while to to be succumbed by, and... Mm. Hobbs was like, you know, what do I do now? And they says, well, you better go turn yourself into the lighthouse keeper because he's, you know, federal, federal people. You know, talk talk to them. And so he went up and he talked to Orkut, who happened to be the keeper at the time, and told them what happened. And he says, no, you've got to turn yourself into the the constables and in benefit. He says, "That's you know, this is a local affair. This isn't. This is out of my jurisdiction. I can't do that. This is you know, I'm federal. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of going back to the, you know, going ashore and turning himself in, he went back to the shack and shot himself. And there's reports out there that some people he doesn't like the way some people tell the story. Oh, is that right? Oh, yes. And they get." just a little bit testy about it and i we've learned that you know don't don't pay too much mind to it and 
You know, he didn't mean to do it, as he says. Yeah, to this day, you know, he's told his story many times through mediums that it was an accident. He didn't really mean to, to shoot him and kill him. Right. I believe when uh, we investigated that island, too, because we, we had a, a great opportunity to investigate it years and years ago. And, uh, yeah, I think Maureen came up with that same thing, that, like, he grabbed the gun or something from him and it went off. But, uh, I mean, we'll never know, of course, but uh, that's what we have to go by. Um, you So, in the island here, uh, you actually had some strange activity yourself, uh, didn't you? Oh, yeah. We've... Uh, uh, We'd lose grease pencils every now and then if we didn't clip them to the inbox to keep them solidly in place. You want to explain that for, uh, for, for our listeners? Grease pencils and inboxes so that they, they know what we're talking about. Uh, the grease pencil was a uh, kind of like a magic marker or lipstick in a, in a pen. And we'd write on plexiglass and whiteboard and, you know, give a write our weather observations on that until we can copy it down into the to the book that we send it off to the weather's Noah with and if we didn't clip it it would disappear and we, for the longest time we never did figure out where they went we just get a new one out and and carry on well I was archiving some paperwork and climbed up into the to the attic and opened up the hatch and reached my hand inside and Lo and behold, there's a whole bunch of grease pencils sitting right there. In the attic? How they got there? I don't know. Yeah, up in the attic. And there was only two of you on the two years on the island, right? Yeah, just the two of us. <laughs> and we, you know, at first we thought the cats were playing with them or something like that, and we never could find them. But a few years later, we found them. A whole pile. A whole pile of them. <laughs> in the attic. Yep. Where the hatch was. Huh. Now, there were certain places that you could feel that sense that someone was behind you looking over your shoulder. And um, I had an incident one time where I uh, moved suddenly and uh, bumped into someone and turned around and no one was there. So you physically felt like you bumped into someone? Yes. As if I had bumped into a person. And if I if I recall, you also had another incident with some writing or something. Is or am I mixing it up with something else? Well, maybe you're thinking of the the grease pencils. We would see marks in the uh, stairwell higher than you could reach, and in door inside the uh, kitchen cupboards, you'd open them and there'd be. Marks from the grease pencils. Everything was kind of a uh, impish prank. You know, we never felt threatened. Yeah. It was funny because the dogs would be laying there out and all relaxed and calm, and then all of a sudden they're up like, what the hell was that? Oh, the dogs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'd be barking off into the distance, and you always wondered... You know, if they were barking at, at spirits or... Because they'd stop and look at each other and look around like, what are we barking at? <laughs> Who was that? Oh, and we had a uh, guest one time that went out on uh, one of the tours. 
and um you know there'd be a group of people that uh, the volunteers of Wood Island would take out there and this one woman she walked away from the house there was a, an oil house a, a distance away where they keep the flammables when they had um an oil lamp lamps before electricity and she walked out to the uh, the little outbuilding and uh, she came back and she's like you know I saw a fellow out there in bib overalls, he looked like a farmer with a wide brim hat, and he said, um, "I sure am glad they changed the that bedroom and and painted it. I didn't like that yellow wall." <laughs> and uh, there was no one on the tour matching that description. Really? Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we got. I, I was. I was running the boat that time. And- she just kind of looked at me when she got back on the boat and said, uh, which room was yellow? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have to take a break right now because uh, we, we are coming up to that time. So anyway, you're listening. We'll be right back. Anyway, We're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet Radio. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978 978- Four five five six six seven eight. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous, as we give awards to the Parrax family. And welcome back to the second part of tonight's Ghost Chronicles International. Tonight, our guests are Russell Lowe and his wife, Teresa, regaling us of tales on a New England lighthouse. It is, really. It's fascinating because um, I, I was listening to the murder-suicide account before and my mind was being cast back to 
probably one of the most famous instances, incidents that ever took place on a lighthouse. And the reason why all British lighthouses became triple manned. And that took place at the Smalls Lighthouse, which is, as the crow flies, about 15 miles from where I am now. Um, many of them over water, but nevertheless. Uh, back in the day, lighthouse, British lighthouses were double manned. Um, there would be two lighthouse keepers on each uh, duty cycle, which was, as I said before, between two and three weeks, depending on the weather. Now, the two lighthouse keepers had gone out there, and during the, within the first couple of days, one of the lighthouse keepers took ill and died. Now, it had been known, well known, that these two lighthouse keepers didn't like one another and that <laughs> they argued a lot. And the surviving lighthouse keeper, uh, somewhat um, anxious that he might get the blame for the demise of his colleague, uh, wrapped the body in sailcloth and hung it uh, outside on the balcony that um, surrounded the lantern. Unfortunately, um, the weather turned and the two weeks turned into nearly two months Oh. Um, on the Smalls Lighthouse, by which time his partner, um, who had succumbed to the ravages of the wind, the waves and the seagulls, <laughs> uh, was looking rather the worse for wear. And at night, uh, on one particular stormy night, his arm broke free from the sailcloth and started knocking against the glass of the lantern. Eventually, when the relief crew arrived, the light, the surviving lighthouse keeper had been driven absolutely mad. Um, he, he was on the point of, of insanity. Um, and thereafter, of course, all British lighthouses became triple manned wow. to make sure that uh, there was at least uh, a witness or a companion in the event of uh, a death. The, the other, the other, sorry? I'm wondering if that is the story from which they made the movie, The Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. It's about two lighthouse keepers. And yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it was the inspiration for it. Um, the, the other uh, thing that I could add from a British perspective relates to uh, Ron's question and uh, the answer uh, what what would you do in the event of, you know, did you have to render assistance to a mariner? And of course, I'm sure you're probably aware of the, one of the most famous rescues um, which took place in the, the, up in uh, the northeast of England. Uh, the lighthouse keeper, I can't remember his Christian name, but his surname was Darling. And he was on the lighthouse and his assistant was his daughter, Grace, Grace Darling. And uh, a ship ran aground on the rock. And between the two of them, with her rowing and him um, guiding, throwing ropes, they managed to rescue the, uh, the crew of the, of the uh, vessel for which she was awarded uh, a medal called the Darling. And, to this day, um, there is still a medal awarded for rescues at sea called the Darling Medal. 
Oh, wow. Uh, and, and she has celebrated Grace Darling. The story of Grace Darling is told to almost, or was in my day, told to ev- almost every British school child as an example of uh, hero- heroism and bravery. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, Russell or, or Teresa, isn't there a, a, a famous rescue associated with Wood Island as well? I think it's Orcutt was the lake keeper then, or I believe I, I could be wrong because you know I mess names up terribly uh, and stories. Excuse me. Yes, there's a there's a couple of them. One was uh, a Canadian ship that ran aground and the the keeper helped rescue everybody off the ship and went back in and actually pulled out a guinea pig or a hamster and brought that ashore too. <laughs> and they were the shipping company going to be from a nice pair of binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> I would think though, if he was on a lighthouse, he would have those, wouldn't he? Or did you have, yeah. Did you have that? Did you have telescopes and on binoculars on the, on the lighthouse? Oh, yeah, we had binoculars. Yeah. And it, it helped a lot. Yeah, you'd get a call to to look out to see if, you know, the, the uh, Coast Guard Portland would radio down and say, do you see, you know, something in distress? And uh, at one point, one of the aides to navigation <laughs> broke loose. You want to tell them about that? Well, they, they knew that I could see the... Uh, the uh, LNB or the large navigational buoy that leads into Portland, and uh, they wanted to know if they had a report that it was off station, and they wanted to know if I could get a fix on it. So I went out and I I spotted it, and I gave it 15 minutes, and then I spotted it again, and I I tracked it, so I knew it was moving, and I says, "Yep, it's heading for Cape Ann." <laughs> so now. Because you were in the Coast Guard, were there like surprise inspections on the, on the island? And, and what, what did they inspect for if they, they were? Well, they, you can't really sneak up on an island. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they were scheduled. They, 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 they scheduled them all the time. And, you know, we knew what was coming. And it's basically is your paperwork in, in all order and the grounds up to, up to snuff and Every two years was the uh, the big inspection. Uh, they'd come out and make sure that, yep, yeah, you're turning the light on, you're turning the light off, and you're sending the weather, and <laughs> filing all this paperwork. Good boy. <laughs> I remember turning off a lighthouse once. What was that, Steve? I said, just, uh, I, I remember turning off uh, Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse once. You did turn it off. I did turn it off. You're absolutely right, because very badly designed lighthouse. Um, On my first visit to Portsmouth Harbour Lighthouse, um, I arrived, I opened the door, went inside and it was dark. I reached next to the door expecting to find a light switch and there was a small light switch. So I pressed it and realised I'd just extinguished a light. (laughs) And quickly quickly unpressed it and uh, found the other light switch which <laughs> um, which it put the lights on in the room yeah we, so we actually a brief few minutes i i did extinguish portsmouth harbor light 
I believe you were there too when uh, we did a public ghost hunt at Portsmouth Harbor and uh, there was uh, a group that was in the base of the lighthouse. They closed the door and uh, they were going to do EVPs or something. And then Ron, I believe, was in the fort and he gave me a call on the radio and he says, uh, the light's uh, out. I says, yeah, yeah, they shut the lights out because they're doing, no, the light's out. So what it does exactly is the same thing you did. <laughs> well, I mean, the, whoever designed the lighthouse and put the, the main light switch just next to the door mm. in the place where you would expect a light switch to be, but not a lighthouse light switch. And of course, British lighthouses, when I've visited British lighthouses, the switch for the lamp is a huge, great, yellow and red handle um, which makes sense which you know it is obvious that you are turning on the lamp um, but this was just a normal to all intents and purposes it was like a domestic light switch just inside the door so whoever designed that didn't think it through it wasn't idiot proof <laughs> but we also um, I'm also I also proudly uh, tell Rob on a number of occasions that, uh, again, very close to where I am, about 15 miles away, uh, the opposite direction, is what's claimed to be the world's smallest lighthouse. Um, it's, it's, and the reason it's a lighthouse is because the lamp, the bulb, is maintained by Trinity House, thereby it is a lighthouse by definition. Although it, in reality, it's a, a 1920s lamp standard. So or about street 15, lamp, as we say in the States. Street lamp, street lamp. Uh, that's at the end of a breakwater at Tenby Harbour. Uh, but the bulb uh, and the light assembly is actually maintained by Trinity House, so yeah. thereby making it probably the world's smallest lighthouse. That's, that's pretty cool. The... Uh, I had a question. Oh, yes. Before the break, you were talking about uh, tours and you had uh, a person who said that the guy was happy that uh, uh, they paint the yellow room. Did you ever find out if there was a yellow room there? Oh, yeah. We knew there was a yellow room there. Oh, you did know? Oh, yeah. We used that as a nursery when we were out there. Wait a minute. I thought you didn't have children. No, not when we moved out there, but hey. So long nights on in the island? Very, yeah, the winters were very long. <laughs> yeah. I think it was in April. But he right. was six months when we left. Oh, that's sweet. Was, it, was he born on the island? Uh, well, no, I came off the island and, oh, and stayed at a, a friend's home and good thing because he was cesarean, and um, oh, he's 40 years old now, and he'll be heading off to Melbourne, Australia for his Ph.D. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so you did have a, a nursery. That's that's cute. Um, yeah. yeah, I did not Fantastic know that about childhood, you. though, isn't it, growing up on an, on an island in a lighthouse? Well, he was only six months old, so he's not actually growing yeah. up on it. <laughs> there's, there's a book that's been published locally. Um, by uh, we have a we we do have I did manage to re remember an island lighthouse, and that's the island of Skoma. Um, and the as well as the lighthouse keeper, there was also a farmer 
that lived on the island as well, who, um, well, for nine months of the year lived on the island, farmed sheep and cattle, who had to be carried across on effectively dories, um, but they were rowed across, uh, one cow per boat or four sheep. And um, the daughter of the last lighthouse keeper, um, which was 1957, uh, wrote a book which was published some years ago describing her, her, well, it was the first 18 years of her life living on the island of Skoma, which is about um, a half a mile off the off the coast. Um, you know, telling tales of collecting seabirds and seabird eggs to eat and farming the sheep and rescuing the sheep and occasionally rescuing the old mariner who uh, washed ashore and um, uh, one or two good ghost stories as well uh, connected to the shipwrecks. There are quite a few stories of uh, lighthouses with families on it. On and uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wood Island. They, 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 what was that, Teresa? Out there. Yeah. Oh, they did. Yeah, years before and um, earlier, there'd be families out there. They'd be farmers. They had a a barn and livestock and uh you know they'd be a, i think there was one keeper i don't know if it was longest term out there was 19 years mm-hmm. yeah, it was very common here if um all of the onshore lighthouses in britain had um accommodation so families would live there for, for well generations and different you know father son father daughter um and in fact in some cases mother son mother daughter um they were permanent sort of uh, residents and permanent lighthouse staff but with the offshore lighthouses the single you know the ones that stand alone on a rock they were always uh, triple manned um rotating crews but no families it was right. a strictly sort of predominantly well it was uh, all male for the offshore lighthouses um, back in the day. That's no fun. Yeah, we we had a few of those. We called those stag units. Stag <laughs> units. <laughs> yeah. They'd, they'd send the crew out, uh, rotate them out every two weeks. So, You know, one of the, the, the neatest experience I had on there was uh, actually we, we did a uh, public ghost hunt for the Friends of Wood Island Lighthouse, and uh, it was a, a, a ghost hunt that we were dropped off on Saturday. Uh, actually, we were dro- our group was dropped off on Friday. We spent the first night investigating by ourselves, but then the public came on Saturday, and then we were picked up on Sunday. Uh, yeah. So we we did all that, and it was Sunday morning. I was sitting in uh, the the inside of Lighthouse wasn't finished that time, but right off the kitchen there was a. Uh, a picnic table in the next room over and I was having coffee on Sunday morning with Sherry and then, you know, this is the daytime and Sherry uh, worked at the lighthouse, uh, was part of the Friends of what I want lighthouse at that time. So we were just sitting there having coffee and I, and I looked to the kitchen and I saw a dog <laughs> walk across the doorway and I, I like, jumped up and I ran into the kitchen. It, it, the weird thing about it, it didn't make any noise. You know how you hear the dog in an anoleum, you hear that claws. There was yep. nothing. And I, I went in there, all the doors were closed. There was no dog around. So I came back 
And Sherry uh, looked at me and she just kind of shook her head and she says, Ron, do, can you, you know, what'd you see? I says, I saw a dog. She says, can you describe it? I says, yeah, I saw him as clear as I am looking at you. And uh, I described the dog and she just kind of smiled and laughed and said, well, you know, Ron, there used to be a, a lighthouse keeper here that had a dog and it was time for him to relieve. The dog wouldn't go. He stayed on the island. Lighthouse keepers took after him and he died in the island. She says, the dog you described, you know, sounds like that dog. And I saw a picture of it later of the dog. And, and sure enough, it looked like the dog I saw. Can I say it was the dog? Of course not. But yeah, that was a unique experience because that was something I was not prepared for and not looking for. It just happened. Yeah, oh, yeah. that uh, Kelly is that dog and she was there during our stay as well. Oh, she was. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She t we took care of her and she was <laughs> a strange dog. She wouldn't come in the house. How oh, really? Come in, yeah, she would come in the passageway when the weather was, was wild, but mm -hmm. she did not really care to come into the house. For, for those who don't know, the, the lighthouses, the Wood Island, not all lighthouses, of course, but this particular one and, and several others similar to it, have the keeper's house and then they have the lighthouse and, and sometimes they have this area that's connected between the two, correct? Right. Yeah. The passage. Way, the passage, yeah. which mm -hmm. could be spooky at times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> That's where I had some of my experiences of someone peering over my shoulder. Really? Oh, yes. Just at the bottom of the uh, tower there where the controls were. You know, if um, fog came in in the middle of the night and uh, whichever one of us woke up to... Uh, see that the fog rolled in or the fog cleared, that person would get up and either turn the foghorn on or off, depending on the uh, visibility. Oh, so it was manually operated foghorn? Oh, yeah. Yes, to the light, too. Every, everything we did out there was all, it was all manual. There was no automation to it at all. Yeah. The good old days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, exactly. Did you did you have like a garden there, like a a vegetable garden or or anything like that, or, or flowers or anything? Uh, or? I did. It was quite productive because uh, come to find out that was the prior ghost pen, so I had all kinds of uh, vegetables, tomatoes, and and others, and uh, there were all kinds of wild berries on the island as well. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's a cool thing. Yeah. And, and when you. As, as we talked about earlier, that the island's roughly a half a mile long, and the boathouse is one on the light, one end, and the lighthouse is on the other. How did you get like all your your goods and everything from the the boathouse to the lighthouse? Yeah, we we had a little two wheeled tractor that had a little trailer behind it, and we'd unload from the boat and into the dual trailer and drive it right up to the house, back it up to the door. The motor was actually <laughs> part of an old rototiller, wasn't it? Yeah, the front end was an old rototiller, and it had forward and reverse gears, and that's about all we needed. <laughs> and it would it would pull us up and down the the boardwalk and haul our supplies. So, just curious, did you have television there at all? <laughs> oh yeah, it was tiny. It was. Uh, Maybe a 13-inch screen with five channels at the time. 
No remote control. You had to get up and turn the dial. Oh, my God, the inhumanity of it, huh? Oh, I know. (laughs) Three networks and a couple of PBS stations. Yeah, I I remember those days, actually. That was, yep, uh, yep, you you didn't have much. And there was no, like, recorders or anything. You you, you watched the show. You had to watch it then. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think about remote controls is my um, they're not a modern invention for televisions. I remember my grandfather uh, back in the early 1960s had a remote control for his black and white television. Um, wow. he, he would sit in his armchair and jab at the buttons with the snooker cue. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's how he he operated the TV, because it was a push button, and uh, he used the snooker cue that he'd brought back from the pub, and he used the the end of that to jab at the (laughs) buttons to turn it on and off or to change channels. Oh, Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We had a remote control. Never needed batteries either. We had a, I remember our first remote control, uh, used to have uh, it was it was I, I don't know if it was sound or what, but we would be watching TV and also the the TV channel would change and and we you know we, we were beginning to think that the house was haunted and everything. Then I I realized that uh, it was the cat. The cat used to have chain on his neck, so it would shake his head and it changed the channels. <laughs> well, the first ones were called clickers, weren't they? Because they were an acoustic device. That's right. right. Yeah. And I, I remember as a, as a kid when we got our first TV with a proper remote control, you could mimic it. You know, you could. But it was it wasn't a different click. Uh, it was a number of clicks. So, for example, you would click the clicker once for channel one, two times for channel two, three, etc. But we discovered as, as children, if we just went, it would change channels. Oh, my. Huh. And then yeah. they brought it in through red and spoiled it all. Oh. Ruined it all, didn't it? Ruined all the Because when my dad was watching the, the sport, we'd walk into the room and go... <laughs> <laughs> just before the uh, just before the goal. Russell and Teresa, when, when you had to leave the island, were you disappointed or, or glad? Or, or what were your feelings we would have stayed there forever. Oh, yeah. We will really? be there today. I'd have retired from there. <laughs> if they'd have let me stay, I'd have retired from there. Yeah. It was heaven on earth. Uh, you know, it's, it, we didn't consider ourselves isolated or lonely. We, it was, we were at peace. We were, you know, it was just pure tranquility. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. I mean, I, I mean that's something I would enjoy, I'm sure, which is probably why I love Lighthouses so much. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, Russell, Lisa, by the way... like Lighthouses so much, Ronnie, you're just antisocial. Yeah, that's that's the other point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Russell, I, I did want to tell you that uh, Two Shoes says to say hi. <laughs> oh, glad to hear he's doing good. Yeah. Uh, but those... Funny. For those who don't know, you want to you want to explain that story for us? Oh well, we were out there for for one of the missions on the the ghost projects, and we were sitting there and was looking at 
at I call him two shoes and I'm like, Why do you have two different shoes on? <laughs> and he just looks at me like, What? And he looks down <laughs> at it and he goes, Oh crap. <laughs> And I think we were up in the attic at the time when I we all noticed it. Yeah. We, he hasn't forgotten that yet. Yeah, no, no one, one does. That. We still call him that every so often. It's yeah. So we're talking about Clay Rucker, by the way. He was a, a member of my my group at the time, and uh, yeah, he has that look like he was uh, caught in the headlights. You know, he's you give him that look. It's like what? You know, it's like so funny. If Clay was there, I'm guessing there were no. What spiders. are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I hate to have him as a butter thing, but <laughs> we did an investigation one night. A public ghost hunt to raise money for Rhode Island, and uh, we were out. and And of course, there are deer on the island uh, that that come on every so often. Is that correct, or did it? Oh, oh yeah. yes, yeah. And uh, so we were out there, and. Uh, uh, Jim and, and Clay were on the boardwalk and, and they saw uh, saw the deer there. And, and Clay was like half running away and he and he says, You got you gotta watch out for them. They, they, they can kill you. I guess like <laughs> Yeah, they can, but not likely. <laughs> no, kill a deer. Yeah. Mm. So he's yeah. wow, I can't believe we ran out of time, but we have, unfortunately. Uh, oh, I know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I haven't spoken to you guys for oh, quite a few years now, really. And uh, thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences uh, at Our the Lighthouse. With us. Not a problem. Yeah. Anytime you guys uh, want you to come still... back up and go out, let me know. Oh, I would love to. You know that. And what are you doing at the end of September? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got the keys and uh, means to get there. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, we got to talk. <laughs> I always <laughs> love having, honestly, honestly, God, I had some of my best experiences there. And uh, yeah, oh, anyways, we're running out of time, so I do have to go. I feel so a day I, trip in, in early October coming on, Ron. That's true, yeah. too. But it's uh, okay. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. All right. So anyways, uh, Russell and Teresa, thank you so much for joining us today. And, and I really do appreciate it. And uh Thank you for all thank your you. work you do for, do for the lighthouse as well, and have done for the lighthouse as well. And thank you for entertaining stories as well. Fascinating. Oh, yours as well. Yes, Trinity House is mentioned in that lighthouse book by Tony Parker. Now they, they they've been going a long time. I think three hundred plus yeah. years now. Yeah. All right, we got to wrap it up, kids. So. Thank okay, you so much. Uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson and Ron Kolick, our special guests, Teresa and Russell Lowell. And uh, <laughs> we are brought to you by Oops. Circles of Wisdom, 386 Memorack Street, Bethlehem, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North End, Massachusetts, and our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Thank you for listening. Uh, stay tuned for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann and Ron and special guest Stephen Scott.
from goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. 